Welcome back to Creating Dementia Solutions. I'm Richard Pyatt. This is a Miles for Memories program on Access Vision and a podcast as well. So if you're active on Facebook, type in the search bar Miles for Memories and follow them so that you're able to see when these episodes come available. In fact, a few episodes ago, we talked with researcher Dr. Graham Atkin from Michigan State University about the idea that sometimes one can presume that a behavior that someone is displaying is dementia, and actually it may not be, and we alluded to that a bit. Today, we're going to look into that a little bit further and talk with Sherry Sherbin at Miles for Memories about some of the other things that it could be and some ways to think about how to approach that. Hi, Sherry. Richard, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Thank you for this opportunity. This is really interesting, and I think you'll find it useful how Miles for Memories actually helps folks think through these early stages when you might suspect dementia, but it could be something else. And let's just talk about that, Sherry, for a second. Clearly, this happens, right? Because you have a whole way you approach discussing this. Mm -hmm. So you've seen this before, I presume, where folks jump to that dementia conclusion right away. They do. You know, I've seen it not only amongst peers and their families, but I've seen it in my own family right at home. And, you know, sometimes the conditions that we experience could be because of an illness. It could be because of an infection. It could be because too many drugs are mixed together and you take some of those things and happen to have those all at the same time. And, mm. and bazinga, it seems like the conclusion is predestined and predetermined. And when you start to peel away the layers of what somebody is experiencing, experiencing, you can start to treat them and rule them out. And one of the things I find to be most interesting is that some of those things that we look at, that we begin to blame for the dementia behaviors, if we don't care for them and make those corrections, they can also become a risk factor in developing dementia along the way. Oh my. What have you seen happen when someone has jumped to the dementia conclusion? Have you actually seen for example, a situation in which someone says, oh, this is dementia and it's diabetes or something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens? So uh, family members start to prepare. They start to look at what's going to happen with the grandma's stuff and who's going to do what and who who takes on what role. And, you know, you start making their way through their visit at the hospital thinking this is this is the end of ends. Right. And slowly as they start to get their treatment, well, suddenly they're no longer unable to respond to me. And then eventually their conversation is starting to make sense again. And then over here, we recognize that, you know, she's had the wrong prescription all along long and we now transition into one that is appropriate to her. And we walk home with a completely different person who we had not only decided dementia was the outcome, but completely rewrote all of her documents. Oh my gosh. And you just kind of go, huh? Well, how about that? We didn't need to do that at all. Right. Jumping to conclusions. Right. Family members look at very certain things. And if there's been dementia in the family, right, any of the different types of dementia, it's really easy to make that jump to, oh, here we go again. Yeah. My dad likes to say, don't assume, you know, spell that word. Uh, And (laughs) I think that's what's happened here. There's a lot of assumptions that happen. So this happens often enough Mm -hmm. that when you're talking to folks from a Miles for Memories perspective, you've developed a program, a system 
to help people think through before they jump to those dementia conclusions. This is really interesting. How do you do it? Um, well, you know, we work with this wonderful word called dementias. Uh, you know, I have to give credit to Pat Slayton from Home Care Transitions. Uh, we got it from Pat, and we've expanded on it since then just based on our experiences out there in the real world. And, you know, one of the other side situations that might occur, you know, I, I talked about going all the way to new documents and the like, but the other thing that families sometimes do is just plain ignore it. It's like, this is normal. We don't need to think about it. Let's don't think about it. We, we already know what's going to happen. We're not worried about it. Typical aging. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and ignoring it doesn't make it any better either. Right. right? So, you know, we want to stop that from happening. All right. So the letter D comes first in the word dementias. And there's a whole lot of different things in the letter D in terms of what we can rule out and where we might want to go with that. The first one happens to be drugs. And I think, you know, Dr. Atkin talked a little bit about medications in the past and what that might mean. Mm -hmm. But it's not just a medication with a medication. Sometimes it's a medication with a condition. And when those interact in the wrong way at the wrong time, you get a behavior that in your mind, you say, okay, this is it. We're heading down that road of dementia all over again. And you take that path instead of going, why is this happening? Let's go to the doctor. Let's go figure it out. Start with your family physician and just begin to rule things out. And, And I think a part of the other part of the problem is that folks want an answer today. And that doesn't really happen. If you're going through the process of ruling out other conditions that could cause the behavior, this might take several visits. It might not be today that you walk in and that you walk back out and they go, he's got vascular dementia and that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, patience with that, I, I think is really important. And so when I start talking about drugs as an example, um, you know, we have a, a very significant situation with aging adults and the number of medications that they take. So statistically speaking, they're taking about four medications a day for an adult over the ages of 65. That's the average. Yeah. You know, when you start getting a little bit older, then they're taking more medications a day and other care providers expect that. So when I sit at my dentist's office and they ask me for the list of medications that I'm taking, and I say none, they're like, what? (laughs) I don't believe you. Well, as you say, (laughs) it's not common. I had a 90-year-old grandmother who was on no medication. They didn't believe her either. (laughs) Right? You forgot. You've you've obviously forgotten about what's going on here. And so, you know, when we can start talking about health as an independence kind of a scenario, that is supported in a variety of other researchers' Uh, work, right? And knowing that we have as much as a 30 to 40% chance of reducing our risk of developing any of these different types of dementia just because of lifestyle programs. So D is the first one and we kind of go down that route. Polypharmacy is one of those conditions taking a lot of medications in a day. And, you know, it is estimated that 1 million people who are on a medication are misusing it. 1 million? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aging also increases the risk of the way we might respond to medications. Yeah, I mean, just think about anything that you do, right? Um, alcohol. I, you, you don't respond to alcohol in the same way at 65 as you did when you were 18. No, 21. <laughs> 21, folks. 21. Or do you, you understand what? Yes, I'm, I'm, I understand that firsthand. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, some of those things that we might experience that someone would automatically go, oh, is dementia a concern? But these polypharma situations can lead us to tiredness, sleepiness, decreased alertness, 
constipation, diarrhea, incontinence, loss of appetite, confusion on a continuous level, sure. um, depression, lack of interest, falls, trips, um, anxiety, irritability, dizziness, you know, many of which someone might say, hmm, is this because of a developing dementia that we don't know about? Not often do we first go to, gosh, could that be a drug? Yeah. Right? And that's just drugs. So yeah. as Sherry was saying, we're using each letter of the word dementias to articulate what some of these causes might be. There are mm -hmm. other Ds. Yeah. It's not even past the first letter yet right. besides so, drugs. A significant one is diabetes. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we think about what um, is going on with diabetes and that lack of balance of sugars to the brain and what's happening there, it's already automatically impacting the brain in some way, shape or form. So, you know, we get to a person who's now having a diabetic emergency. And if you've never seen that happen, you might, as you look at that person, go, okay, they're not responding to me. They are feeling and or looking faint. They have a sense of drowsiness and confusion just from the diabetic emergency that's happening because maybe they're not managing their diabetes in the way that they should, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe they didn't quite eat the way they should have before they decided to go run around the block whatever the case might be. So diabetes is pretty significant and it, it should also be an alert and a warning sign that there are other things that we need to take care of to reduce our risk for going in this direction later on. All right. So um, delirium is next. Sometimes we throw delirium in there thinking that it's the same thing. And delirium is a little bit different. It is really one of the contributing factors is a severe chronic illness of some kind. Mm -hmm. And it is a change in a metabolic balance that's going on uh, in the brain, possibly from infection, possibly from surgery. Could also help in from drugs, alcohol interacting or withdrawal from drugs or alcohol as part of that process. And um, so we see those same symptoms, confusion, disorientation, memory loss, slurred speech, difficulty speaking coherently, hallucinations, changes in sleep pattern and changes in mood or personality. If wow. someone is older and we start going through these um, based on some of those situations that they've come across, Again, it's really easy to go, yeah, she's just getting older. He's getting older. We're going to be fine. Let's just make our way through it. It'll be all right. It's just natural. We've been through this before. Sure. But in reality, if this is new for them, then it's something that needs to be evaluated. It's not something that started this morning. And that doesn't mean with certain types of dementias, when we start talking about vascular dementias being very incident-related, so might be related to a stroke, as an example. So that is in the moment. Either way, they need to have that looked at. Yeah, right? Right. So, you know, That's we right. need to make that step and start going in that particular direction. The last one I want to throw in there, because this happens a lot, is dehydration. Well, you would think that some of these symptoms, again, are similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even in today's society, um, we have a tendency to not quite drink as much as we should in terms of water, in terms of hydrating our system. And then uh, we throw into the mix different medications impacting our level of fluid control. And so it can be misunderstood if we don't get enough fluids in our system. And that's an easy one. It happens whether we're 12 or 19 or 95. So look at what's causing that immediacy, especially with the additions of medications that could very well be one of those problems. Right. Whew, finally, we're moving on to the letter E. <laughs> there could be an emotional component to what's happening with a person. 
So when we start talking about emotional components, uh, you know, depression is one of those that jumps up to the top of the list. And as we age, there's a lot more opportunities for loss. It's not that we don't lose somebody when we're 18, but our friends when we're 95 tend to be more likely to be those that we are losing on a regular basis. And so, you know, there's situational depression and I'm not a clinician. So please make sure that folks know that I am not a clinician. I play one on TV. It's it's true, but you know, it's really important. And if somebody's experiencing those things, it would be a time for someone again to seek additional medical care or attention to find out what the causes of that behavior happen to be. Is it normal for them? We have people in our lives. I dare say that you probably do. I know I do, but you know, we have the optimist and the pessimist. There's a difference between pessimism and depression though, and the way that we, we look at the world. Yeah. Now, can we get to the M's? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when we talk about metabolic, which is really the M in this particular case, Mm -hmm. um, really anything that we're looking at as far as the metabolism is concerned is something that with care can very easily be treated. Seemingly so. Yeah. And to move some of those things around. Um, One of those other things that lands in the M's is malnutrition. And malnutrition can have also a metabolic impact on an individual. But when we look at those things, you know, if I just throw out the list of a metabolic impact, we have fatigue, lack of energy, easily tiring, muscle aches, tenderness, stiffness, muscle weakness, trouble walking, pain, stiffness, swelling in the joints, depression, impaired memory, nausea, and irritability. Boy, we're only to the M's, and you can see how intricate this has become. Yeah. So, you know, it is one of those things to rule out and to look at with significance. One of the other things that I do is the Be Seen on Air show. And recently we had Devon on talking about the value of the food that we eat or the food that we don't eat right. and fresh foods versus really processed foods. And, and in some cases for someone's nutrition and ability to eat something, we have to process those pretty significantly. But the beginning source is an important part. We want to be able to make our metabolism work and our metabolic system function at its highest capacity. And both of those impact that. Makes a lot of sense. D-E-M-E. We're back to the E's now. So these two E's are more sensory in nature, and it's about how we live and perceive the world. So the first one is eyes, and a sight loss can happen because of an injury, obviously. A sight loss can be something that happens and develops over time. Let's look at cataracts as an example. Just imagine you're the person who's now losing your sight or it's becoming more difficult for you to see. You might withdraw. You might not want to go out and be with people, which means you become more isolated and alone. And if we don't do something about it, they will continue to stay in that environment. And the more isolated that they are, the lack of interaction with others, the more we increase our risk for developing dementia. I think the same would happen with hearing loss, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I call to mind a great uncle of mine who was nearly completely deaf had a little bit of hearing in one ear, but this happened later in his life. So he did become more isolated and we would have family gatherings and he would have to sit back and just sort of observe because he really wasn't hearing what was being said. Mm-hmm. So it became difficult. It became a situation in which he didn't look forward to those occasions. Yeah. And so you can see how that could progress into a situation where someone might say, is that dementia? 
Yeah. What is that? You know, um, and as you take the ears and the hearing loss into consideration, our brain is working so hard to try to manage the information surrounding you that it's not paying attention to other things. And it will use every cue that it can, right? So as you speak, maybe they're watching your face, which was really hard when folks were wearing masks. Right? Oh, of course. And being able to interpret what was going on in their world, making it easier to remain isolated and withdrawn and seem somewhat depressed and impacting memory because they're not engaged in those things. It's kind of like a topic. You know, you talk about a topic all the time and stop talking about it and your focus goes over here and you kind of forget some of the details over here because you've been focusing on this. Sure. And so, again, it makes it appear as if it's a memory loss situation when it's just really not been part of your daily activity anymore. Jeopardy is, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so those hearing aids for your grandmother are really important, not only to continue to help them be engaged in conversation, to be engaged socially, to be able to hear and process, but also to either slow down the progression of a dementia that might already be there, but also to reduce their risk for it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Sherry Sherman is here. We're talking about using the word dementias, plural, to articulate what other ailments a person might be facing that aren't dementia. So now we're on to N. Yeah. So this is one that folks may not um, go to very quickly. So um, we're looking at normal pressures within the brain, right? Normal pressures, physical pressures. Mm -hmm. So um, hydrocephalus would be one of those. And as a result of that, what we're looking for is a buildup of fluid in the cavities in the brain. Hmm. So it's applying pressures, making it really uncomfortable for starters, right? But it's going to impact memory. And uh, we want to release those pressures. It's going to impact our ability to process and reason. It will also impact our coordination and balance, maybe making it more difficult for you to walk, increasing a risk for falls and trips and that sort of thing. And you may be experiencing ataxia, which is without coordination. So a loss of muscle control, as an example. And, you know, you start throwing all these things in there and it can impact your fingers and your hands and your arms and your speech and your eye movement, all of which might make someone go, you know. Yeah. This could be the thing, and we're going to have to look at how we provide care for it. But if we can evaluate that and find out that we have a pressure issue, there, there's a lot of reasons why that pressure might be there. So we want to try to eliminate that, reduce that, and care for that. And cash, wah-wah. Yeah. Brand new person standing in front of you. It doesn't happen overnight. So people need to realize that, you know, addressing any of these issues, we may not necessarily fix them overnight, but at least we are able to identify them and move on. I mean, I just got an eye exam. My new glasses don't get here for another week and a half. <laughs> so you continue to use what you got. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it can be a challenge. We just have to be a little bit patient. Mm -hmm. But when you get a diagnosis that's different and you have an actionable step, it changes the direction that you're on, at least in the immediacy. Right. And imagine if you never do figure out what's happening and, and it's one of these other things and you don't have that diagnosis. Yeah. You don't ever get that addressed. No. No. Yeah. All right. The letter T. Okay. So T is tumor. It's obviously different where that tumor is located. In this particular case, I'm looking at brain tumors, which in some cases are going to start to now impact memory. 
It may lead to memory loss. It may lead to difficulty with new memories, depending on where the tumor itself is located. We want to look at signs of severe memory loss when this starts to happen. You know, we want to blame it on dementia. And in this case, maybe you would rather it be dementia than a tumor that, yeah. you know, you can't do anything about. But um, when those cognitive functions are impacted, that might be one of those things they're going to need to rule out as well. All right, I. <laughs> okay, so I is interesting, and uh, if you have a loved one that has ever been in your care for a period of time, uh, even yourself, you might begin to notice this, but infections is one of those things. Hmm. And so our body is trying to process things differently. So its whole goal is to set our immune system up such that it's trying to figure out what's going on wrong, so we have marching orders to fix that and deal with that and try to get our immune system back in balance and our whole body back in a homeostasis kind of a scenario. So, you know, it may impact our ability to reason right. We may experience thinking of stroke. We may be thinking if we get into infections, maybe it's meningitis. Different headaches would be a symptom that you might experience from that. But hearing loss, visual problems, blindness potentially, and even a loss of pain or temperature sensation could all be different kinds of things that we would experience because of where an infection might be. Mm-hmm. So, and those dementia-like symptoms that we've talked about on this podcast over and over again would be one of those things, could be one of those things that would surface as a result of that. You know, UTI is very common in older adults. So if someone is starting to behave a little unusual, uh, that might be the first thing that they're going to go for. Let's go check and find out if there's an infection. Wow. All right. Another I would be an injury. Yes. So depending on where that injury happens to be, a head injury obviously would be the most problematic. You know, we look at the different kinds of head injuries, traumatic brain injuries, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But all of those types of injuries that may impact the way in which our nerves function and tell our body to do different things. So it's not just the brain itself. It could be anything along the spinal column is Mm. out of order and is not reacting or responding that would cause us to potentially think that there's a bigger problem than there is. I mean, an injury to the brain in general or head, a concussion is a problem, but we can work through those things. Sure. Wow. Yeah. A. We're getting there. We are A. So one of the things that jumps up is alcoholism in the aging population. You know, we don't look at our aging adults as those individuals that have an alcohol issue, right? We just don't look at that that way. And the reality is that drinking slows reaction time. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And it will impact our coordination. It interferes with eye movement, which will also interfere with the information processing that's going on, right? right? So they're at an increase of traffic accidents, as an example, and we don't want them driving when they're drinking alcohol. And uh, we don't want them wondering (laughs) whether turning here or not turning here because the bank is not on the corner anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So we we lose that understanding of certain things when we're under the influence of a substance, even though we may feel as if it is self-medicating in some way, shape, or form. And so it can also lead to that area of forgetfulness that we now begin to associate with dementia, that sense of confusion. And those symptoms all taken together can be misunderstood as Alzheimer's disease. 
And the last one, S, sleep apnea. Yeah. Who would have thought, right? Right. So when you look at what's going on in the brain, our body does a lot of healing during our sleep. And if a person who is sleeping is constantly having that sleep interrupted because they've stopped breathing, we want them to wake up, obviously, so that we can reset that and continue to move forward. But, you know, if you've had an evening where you, you didn't sleep well, you may wake up with difficulty that next day in terms of what you're doing, ordering your day and even driving, you know, depending on how much sleep you didn't get, right? Being that person who is falling asleep at the wheel, that can be a really big problem uh, sure. as you get ready to go forward. And, and so one of the things that they have looked at for a long time is that connection between sleep apnea and Alzheimer's disease. And is there a connection? Well, repeated studies time and time again now are making that connection for sure. Instead yeah. of you know, looking at it from a surface area level saying, this really can impact it, but does it? Is it situational? You know, how does that go? And there are a variety of studies now that are making that connection and are offering a treatment. So, you know, if we have the CPAP machines and a variety of other sleep treatments that we can get throughout the evening that will not only prevent us from waking regularly, but making sure that our body is perfused with oxygen the way it's supposed to be, which includes the brain. So we want our brain to get all that oxygen it needs in order to thrive. Absolutely. Well, there you are. D-E-M-E-N-T-I-A-S, <laughs> all of these things that could potentially be causing a behavior that someone might interpret as dementia, and it may not be. I suppose the bottom line, Sherry, here is we have a lot to sort through mm -hmm. before we can make a diagnosis of dementia. Right. And we really need a medical professional to help us get through all of it. Yes. Yeah. You know, we have been very fortunate with Miles for Memories to have medical researchers that have been engaged in helping us develop things along the way. Whether it's a product or it's research that we do offer, they're there to help folks make that step. You know, let's say you ruled all these things out and you're still having those challenges. Well, it really could be dementia. And then you want to make those next steps. And, you know, you can make those steps at least initially from home. There are some tests that you can take from home, some evaluations that you can do from home and then take those results with you to the doctor's office. Sure. Um, the doctor can look at those and then offer additional testing to really kind of continue to make a more targeted diagnosis. And you can do some of these screenings at home. Mm -hmm. In fact, your dementia informational booklet that's available in a number of locations around Calhoun County and also on the Miles for Memories website can help walk you through some of those. Yeah, for sure. So start there on the mm -hmm. Miles for Memories website. Look for that. It's right on the front, as yeah. I recall. So you can download it right there from the, the homepage on the Miles for Memories website and have a look at that. Sherry Sherbin, thank you. This has been really enlightening. Thank you. I appreciate it. Creating Dementia Solutions, right here on Access Vision and a podcast as well. Check the show notes, click through to the Miles for Memories website for this and more information, and like us on Facebook as well. I'm Richard Pyatt. Thanks for being with us.